Our second reading this morning, as we just heard, is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, beginning with verse 12. Let us listen for and hear God's holy word. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May your good news come, O Lord, not only in the word spoken, but in and through the power of your Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Amen. You've heard the saying, when it rains, it pours. Well, that in a nutshell describes my experience this week. On Monday, I was looking for a podcast to listen to in the car and stumbled across an archived This American Life episode entitled The Feather Heist. It's about a flute player who breaks into a British museum and steals a million dollars worth of dead birds in order to raise enough money to buy a new flute. It turns out that the birds were stolen so that they could be used to make salmon flies. You know, the lures for fly fishing. I learned all about the really good money that's to be made on the black market selling these fly fishing lures. Then on Thursday, I sat at my desk and started reading for today's sermon and came across an article about this morning's passage written by Will Willimon that begins, Here I am, late in life, taking up a new hobby, fly fishing. And I was hooked, pardon the pun. And then on Thursday, I was on the phone with another pastor, and a good portion of our conversation slipped into fly fishing. This week has been full of these moments, which I realized meant that God was probably trying to tell me to pay attention. So here I am this morning talking about, once again, fishing, a topic anyone who's been fishing with me will tell you I know very, very little about. So instead of pretending I'm some sort of expert, I want to start with the words of Will Willimon from that article I read, because I think they're a great way for us to start thinking about our passage from Matthew. Here I am, late in life, taking up a new hobby, fly fishing, Willimon writes. 
I thought I'd be the last person in the world to enjoy fishing, sitting on a bank somewhere, waiting for a creature with a brain the size of a pea to make my day and bite my hook, which did not seem to me a great way to spend a morning. And yet, look at me. Despite myself, I'm into fly fishing big time. Among the things that, I ha- that I've learned to love about fishing is this. Trout live in the most beautiful places in the world. You have to go where they live. They won't come to you. So thanks to my, to my pursuit of trout, I've seen some beautiful places. Also, it's been a surprising challenge to outsmart a creature with a brain the size of a pea. In order to have a successful day of catching fish, one must be cognizant of the temperature of the air and water and the specifics of entomology. You have to match the hatch, they say, using flies that resemble the insects that are hatching at that moment. Then there's the weight of the line and the length and weight and flexibility of the rod, and I could go on and on. You can't sit home in your living room and think about catching fish and catch any fish. You must master a score of different skills, casting, knot tying, fly selection, and you must work at it. Even though fishing is fun, it's a lot of work too. You've got to take those skills, master it in the backyard in hours of practice, and you must get out and get down to the river. There's strategy required. This was a great surprise to me. A fish is not caught that is not sought, an expert fishing guide once told me. In other words, you must decide what sort of fish you want to catch, and then you must think about which fly is appropriate at that particular time of day for that particular fish. Now, as I've learned in my feeble attempts at being a fisherman, and as Willimon points out, fishing is a whole lot of work with a lot to think about. And so is following Jesus. And we get that sense in our passage from Matthew 4. When Jesus begins his ministry by calling a group of ordinary people to be his disciples, Jesus doesn't call them to follow and then bless them and coddle them and make their lives easy and carefree. No, he calls them and gives them a list of things to do. He gives them very specific tasks. He tells them, follow me and I'll teach you to fish for people. He tells them to drop everything, pack up their stuff because it's time to go. And before you start thinking, oh, I'm so glad that's how Jesus called his disciples and not me, or I'm glad God doesn't do that type of thing anymore, I'm glad that's a thing of the past, be careful. Think about Moses and his story. He's hiding out in Midian. He's killed a man back in Egypt, so he's on the run, tending his... tending sheep for his father-in-law. One day, a bush bursts into flames next to him, and a voice says, I am the Lord your God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I have heard the cry of my people. I've seen their suffering. I've come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up to a land flowing with milk and honey. Now guess what, Moses? It's time to drop what you're doing, pack your things. It's time to go. Or Samuel, the young boy who's fast asleep in the temple. At three o'clock in the morning, he hears his name being called, Samuel, 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 three times. 
He hears it three times before he gets the point and answers, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And the voice says, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of anyone who hears it tingle. Get up, Sam. It's time to go. Or Isaiah, as a young adult who early on a Sunday morning didn't want to go to church, but his mother makes him. All he can think is that he doesn't get anything out of the sermon and he cannot stand the music. But then, without warning, during the service, the heavens open up and there's a vision, there's a voice. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, not me. I have way too much going on. Plus, I have way too much baggage. I've done some pretty crazy stuff. You don't want someone like me. But the voice says, perfect. You're just the kind of truth teller I need. Isaiah, guess what? It's time to go. It's Moses' story and Samuel's story and Isaiah's story and the disciples' story, but it's our story too. You may think you're here this morning because you chose to come or because your mom guilted you into it or because something inside you just kept bugging you to get out of bed and get out the door. But the truth is, you're here because God put you here, called you here on purpose, for a purpose. But God also put you here in this faith and in this way of life and in this ministry. God put each of us here, all of us, together. You're here because God said, guess what? It's time to go. And you said, okay. It's one of the essential tenets, one of the foundational beliefs of our Reformed Presbyterian way of understanding who God is and how God works. We believe that we've been chosen by God for salvation and service. We don't do the choosing. God does. We may sing hymns like, I've decided to follow Jesus, but the truth is that God decided all of that long before we ever did. God chose us before we could choose God. And that's what we're saying every time we sit in this place at worship and read the Bible and pray our prayers and sing the songs. We're saying that we can reach out to God only because God first reached out to us. We love God. Because God first loved us. Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee one day when he saw Peter and Andrew casting their nets. And according to Matthew, Jesus calls out, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Now here's the Mark Curtis translation. Guess what, guys? It's time to go. And they drop their stuff and they go. Then Jesus sees James and John in a boat with their dad Time to go, he says, and they go. And I'll bet it's happened to you. It's happened to me not just once, but maybe dozens of times. I was 16 years old sitting in a coffee shop during a high school boys Bible study on a Saturday morning. My youth director looked straight at me and said, Mark, have you ever thought about the fact that God might be calling you? It was time to go. It happened again a couple of years later. Corey, my boss at Westminster Woods summer camp where I was a counselor for a summer in college, asked if I'd ever thought about going to seminary. It was time to go. 
It happened again when I walked into the first Presbyterian church in San Leandro, California as a junior in college on my first day as their youth director. And it happened when I first set foot on the Princeton Seminary campus in the summer of 2001. It was time to go. And it happened just about a year and a half ago when I got a call from Jenny Morrow saying, we'd like to extend a call to you to become the next pastor of First Presbyterian Church. It was time to go. It's happened to me and it's happened to you too. We rarely see and understand those experiences except for in hindsight. But one day we look back and say, oh yeah, there it was. Jesus said it's time to go. And I love the way Jesus starts this conversation. Follow me and I will make you fish for people. Those words only work in one setting. If Jesus had walked past a hospital full of doctors and nurses and said, follow me and I'll make you fish for people, it wouldn't have been terribly effective. But Jesus was starting a conversation with fishermen. Fishing was what they knew best and what they did best. And so he, gets, so he starts right there, not with what he knows, but with what they know. Not with what he does, but with what we do. Follow me, you builders, and I will make you builders of God's kingdom. Follow me, you musicians, and I'll make you instrumental to others. Follow me, you caregivers, and I will make you care for people. Follow me, you accountants, and I will give you an accounting of just how much Jesus loves each blessed child of God. It's amazing. Before we hear one word about what's involved in following Jesus, he assures us that we can do it. Because maybe it's not so different from what we're already doing. In fact, we already have several job skills involved. We just have to adapt what we already know. Friends, Jesus is here this morning saying to each one of us, Follow me, and I will put you to work for God. Beloved, it's time to go. Amen. Oh God, we have so many things we keep within us. Perhaps even prayers we don't know how to voice. But you know our hearts, and so hear us in our need, in our happiness, in our joy, in our sorrow, or even in our anger. And hear us now as we pray that prayer your son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue to worship God through our tithes and offerings. <laughs> 